Hello and welcome to the 26th Not A Game podcast. I'm Tom Hatfield and with me I've got Craig Lager. Hello. Kara Allison. Hello. And Philip War. Hiya. I think this might be the first time in a long time we've had all four of us twice in a row. Whoa. Is it the first time ever? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> Didn't we do like the first two? Oh, yeah, I can't remember. Maybe. I can't believe we've done 26. That's half a year. I thought we were going to do like five of these and then we'd forget about it. So, <laughs> I'm pretty... <laughs> it's like me and Tumblr. Five entries, done with that. <laughs> I... I'll start another one, you say. Yes, why not? <laughs> oh, my latest one is uh, I've got one where I do a piece of origami for every game I complete this year. Okay. I can imagine that that's going to fall apart as soon as I get to something that I can't make a sculpture. So the from. question for this week is what is uh, what is your favourite of Pip's tumblers? Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> I hate them all. <laughs> I like the one that I've just heard about the best. <laughs> I don't know any of the others either. <laughs> oh god. Yeah, that's probably just as well. They won't be updated so there's no point pimping them. <laughs> How good are you at origami? Well, well, uh, middling. I can follow instructions. Okay. <laughs> I could you make those, like IKEA sofas? You know. <laughs> could you make an origami unicorn? <gasps> I bet there's a yeah. I don't see why not. Find me a game with a unicorn, and then I'll have a reason to do it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The old Blade Runner game. Hmm. Or maybe pedal. Oh wait. I've got a game that's exclusively about unicorns. <laughs> Is it Rainbow <laughs> Unicorn Attack? <laughs> no, it's Secret of the Magic Crystal. <laughs> I've just bunged a link in Skype. Sorry, people uh, listening to the podcast. Uh, the gaming. I, I can yeah. see why this... <laughs> so that's what I've been doing this week. <laughs> Are we supposed to guess the game from it? Obviously Octodad. Shit, is that an origami badger? That's yeah. really fucking good. <laughs> this is good, actually. The origami octopus is really good. Why are you in journalism when you can make these things? <laughs> you can be a pro origami. Less money in origami than there is in games journalism, you guys. This is you should probably have a YouTube channel where you just like review a game whilst making the origami thing of it. That's totally the kind of gimmick that would take off. God, can you imagine how angry I would get? <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, <laughs> what game do you think would benefit most from being made of paper? No, it doesn't work, does it? <laughs> there is no chance. Uh, Pet, could you make uh, an origami Formula One car? <laughs> Are you asking for a friend? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have a I'll have a look and see what's possible. I'll have a, I'll have a play around. <laughs> I think Thomas was alone. Is is what you should go for. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. Anyway, sorry, that slightly derailed proceedings. Was there a was there a question that wasn't? <laughs> I think that's covered it pretty well. Those two. Uh... <laughs> uh, so um. Cara, uh, I'm sure you've just been playing Broken Age, which I've also been playing. Yeah, uh, I've just I haven't played that that much of it, but I I've been mostly been playing um, the boys' side. Um, mm. Shay is his name. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I've just been playing that part so far. Um, I'm oddly kind of quite touched by it, simply because 
um, there's a kind of, uh, I don't know, the environment is very much sort of geared towards infantilizing him. Yeah, that's that's very much the idea of his story, I think. is. Yeah, and I very much feel that way about video games <laughs> and um, particularly games that tend to handhold you or to give you specific, you know, all of his missions are pretty much just straw man missions. Mm. And part of me feels like it's, I don't know, it's, it's a lot of games are designed to specifically make you feel good in a particular way. Mm. And it kind of makes me feel a lot like it's a reflection on games themselves, but it's possibly not directly what they were having, you know, a look at. But um, it's really kind of made me think about that and why I like games so much. So, yeah, I, I'm enjoying it so far. Yeah, it's interesting. I think and as the story progresses, there's possibly more stuff on the similar theme, I think, when he starts to break out of that routine. Yeah. Even then, there's a kind of gamification thing going on, but I won't talk about it too much. Yeah. No, I feel like that is probably a broader, a broader theme. Mm. Um, but yeah, like so far, I really like it. I think it's um, a really good uh, adventure game interface. Mm. Um, it's. I, like... I I really love how it doesn't just like stay in this zoomed out static position all the time how it constantly like pushes in and has people having these like animated conversations or animated literally but also figuratively and that they're constantly gesturing and and emoting yeah um i was pleasantly surprised by um it is still very kind of double fine but it's it's definitely got this kind of very smooth kind of um languorous kind of feel to it there's a kind of calmness to it it's not like hyperactive joke machine or anything yes and i'm so used to you know because i think that they kickstarted this game on on the basis of it being very sentimental and very Mm. much like a hark back to you know like day of the tentacle type stuff um even though this is obviously completely dramatically different and um, and I'm so used to those classic point-and-click adventures being extremely busy all the time and full of things to click on that will like animate and something that will do something crazy. And this is very much spaced out, so the jokes are actually much more in relief and it's very much more kind of, I don't know, there's definitely much more of a focus on the art um, which gives it a much different feel, I think. Yeah, I mean, it keeps their kind of strange, quirky worlds that they make, but in, a, but like I say, in a in a sort of slower, more relaxed way. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I um, I thought, yeah, I finished it yesterday. It's only, I think it's only about three hours for part one. Um, and yeah, I've really enjoyed it. It's. It's really interesting in that it's it's totally not the game they originally pitched in a lot of ways because they pitched this very quick and dirty game they could do for like three hundred thousand pounds and they got given three million pounds. So what you've actually got is this one where this incredible amount of care and production value has been put into every single point. And the the art is incredible, the voice acting is amazing, and um, like Elijah Wood plays um, Shay, the uh, 
male protagonist, and um, mm. he does a fantastic job. And it's like it's not Bethesda celebrity celebrity voice casting. It's not like, hey, look, here's the famous guy. It just fits in with everything else, and he's clearly being cast because they felt that's the, he was the guy who could do the job. Um, yeah, it's just um, I'm really looking forward to seeing where it goes from there, especially because the ending to part one is really interesting. I'm not going to say anything about it. I'm just saying it's really interesting. <laughs> Mm. Is this when's the second part coming out? I have no idea. Unfortunately, I have no idea. It says soon at the right. end, um, but there's no indication as to. I assume it's not that they've literally finished this and then, then and as soon as it's been released, they've started work on it. I assume they they were already part way there. Yeah. Um, yeah, because um, I feel the same way about um, Kentucky Zero in that I'm kind of just on the edge waiting for the next part and they've not really said when it's coming out so I'm like ah yeah um it is and interestingly and that despite the fact that the the two parts thing seemed to come out from along the way in production uh you know it wasn't something that was originally pitched as it does feel like a very natural point in the story where it's there's a very clear switch up between what's going to happen now and what's going to happen in the future okay Mm. cool um yeah, so so far my experience of it has been really pleasant. Um, it's not been um, hysterically funny, um, but it has been subtly kind of very humorous. And like the wolf um, character in it yeah. really, really, really reminds me of the crack fox <laughs> from um, from Mighty Bush. Um, which I don't know if it's intentional. I'm not sure, but it just really—it's really—he's really sinister to me. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, but no, I, I've really enjoyed it, and it's really nice to see the the big like figurehead from a Kickstarter boom is actually good, as opposed to it, almost everything else we've seen out of that, which has been bad to mediocre. What about FTL? I don't think so. Oh, um, FTL, yeah. Well, FTL, I don't usually count because it happened just sort of before the big takeoff. Okay. Yeah. And it was and out almost instantly. Shadow, Shadowrun... Shadowrun Returns is probably Returns. the best one in terms of reception. Um, uh, and the banner, the banner... Oh, I've forgotten about the Banner Saga, saga. yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Has been well received. But, I mean, there are quite a lot that no one really talks about them as being Kickstarter games because people only hear of them once they come out of the Kickstarter sort of thing. Yeah. I know Craig back Takedown, which was got horrible reviews. Disaster. What oh, a really? Game. What's that? What? <laughs> it, was, it was pitched as we're going to do Swap 4, and they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So hang on, do it, all I have to do to get money from you is to say that I'm probably going to make a game you might like. <laughs> well, welcome to Kickstarter. <laughs> well, no, yeah. like, what did they say to back it up? Like, was there? You must. Well, have like, I think some of the people maybe do it. Yeah, like they had some sort of prototype thing and like some concept stuff, and they were talking mm-hmm. about well. You know, some people like have worked on similar things and like here's our vision, we just want to make like, SWAT again. And they were mm-hmm. going out to like gun ranges and recording stuff and everything's like, okay. Um that's quite a lot of promise. Fair enough. I really want SWAT four. And then no. That's about as far as they got. It was like it's a complete mess. I think so it what- got like rated at about thirty four percent, something like that. 
But at what point did it become clear that they weren't going to be able to deliver on it? Was it, like, not until it actually released, or were there, like, danger signs before that? No, it, it was looking fine, and they were doing, like, regular updates and stuff, and it was like, oh, it's, it's okay, and then, um, yeah, it, it's just when they released it. And I, th- I think there was a fuck-up during release, because it should have been released as, like, early access, mm. but it wasn't. But then even even so, to call it, released it as any sort of thing which they were doing and they were saying on the forums like it's fine there's nothing wrong um yeah it was just terrible and nobody should ever give that team money ever again <laughs> they sold me a lie investment hour <laughs> with craig lager <laughs> yeah i didn't actually back broken age on kickstarter um in retrospect i wish i had because um I assume at some point they're going to give me a chance to see or purchase the documentary, which I'd really like to do, because everyone's told me it's really good. Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I backed it and then forgot. And then it got said to me, and I was like, oh. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I am not surprised that, like, past me backed it. <laughs> like, good job, past me. <laughs> yeah, it's past With me. Craig's there going, God damn it, past Lake. <laughs> <laughs> what were you thinking? <laughs> Was it like um, there's some things that I'm just always going to throw money at, just in the hope like a new swap would be one of it. If somebody said we're going to do hit, like if somebody other than IO said we're going to do Hitman and properly promise, then mm. they're going to get my money too. <laughs> Craig, I'm going to make you Hitman. Could you give me five hundred pounds? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Pip, I shall PayPal it straight away. Yes. <laughs> uh, you didn't back financial annihilation though, did you? No, because it was a ridiculous amount of money. And there's something like after takedown i'm not backing anything else on kickstarter oh, that's fair enough. because if it's good enough everybody else will back it for me and that that's worked out okay so far um i still say i don't think it was that much when it was on kickstarter because i'm in the beta of it now even though i've hardly played it and i didn't pay that much i paid like 30 dollars or something mm. it's only when it actually got into early access that they started charging silly money for it for some reason right I don't really uh, like. Having discussed all this like crowdfunding thing, I think I should mention, um, Tom, you backed me on Patreon. You silly arse! (laughs) What? Well, when I well, I was one of the first people to do so, so I didn't realize everyone else was going to pay you all the money in the world. (laughs) 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 But it's just kind of like, like technically, um, I don't feel like. Uh, other journalists should feel pressured into paying money for my work. It seems ridiculous. It's like a kind of circle jerk. Like <laughs> It'll be fine. We'll all pay each other and everyone will be rich. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, are we monetizing the circle jerk? Is this a <laughs> It's basically a Ponzi scheme as games journalists. <laughs> <laughs> but what I don't understand is why like how like there are a few journalists who've done it and I'm like, how do you have any money? I mean, one of them is Ben Kasher, which I was very surprised about, but um, like there are a few other journalists I'm just like, you clearly don't have any money. You have as much money as me. Like why why it's ten dollars a month, Cara, it's not that much. <laughs> it isn't. But at the same time I'm like, wow, that's like super nice. But yeah, I mean I'm very, this very is... surprised. This is the longest humble brag I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but then one time I I didn't look at like whoever had um had backed it, and then I went on 
the on um BBC the stupid BBC thing that they put on at night time and uh, Ben Kutera was on it and he was like he just dropped in oh yeah and I also backed you and I was like oh, what <laughs> thanks okay and then it was really awkward from there <laughs> so yeah anyway I think it's really weird which ones you choose to donate to and the ones that you don't though because mm. uh, there are some some kickstarters i feel like totally deserve it like the little sort of dating sim ones that no one ever hears about but is like really interesting and made by an interesting group of people um but then i'd still be like hesitant to back it because everyone else hasn't backed it so maybe it's a risky choice do you know what i mean it's just no yeah it's kind of snowball thing the more people back something the more people talk about it the more you know it it snowballs so it's like either you get a tiny amount or you get loads there's it doesn't seem like there's that many anymore that just squeak over the line except maybe Maya, i guess um and those are the ones that are really selling a cool concept rather than any kind of previous experience yeah i mean oh man did i tell you about the the uh poop island (laughs) (laughs) obviously not (laughs) (laughs) okay so so simon roth who's making maya right Mm. He, um, I caught up with him at the Wild Rumpus, which was a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah. And, um, and he was telling me, like, um, oh, my God, it's really difficult to get out of my house because it's been flooded. And I only just managed to do it. I've been living on a poop island for weeks, he said. And I couldn't send away my Kickstarter rewards because I was stuck on poop island. <laughs> Yeah, you know, he did actually literally do a Pixar update to say, I can't send out any awards because my house has been flooded. <laughs> but he said to me, and as soon as he said Poop Island, we pretty much just said the phrase Poop Island over and over at each other for about an hour in the park. <laughs> yeah, I can see that starting to happen again now. <laughs> yeah, I just want to say Poop Island a lot. Um, so yeah, anyway, I just want to repeat uh, for posterity that Simon Roth is stuck on a poop island, um, and that's what delayed um, the making of his game. <laughs> Foolishly, just done an image search on that. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't really know. Don't do that. Uh. I because in in my brain it's just like a tiny, it's like a traffic island, and then there's like <laughs> Simon Roth is standing on it. It's just like soupy poop. <laughs> just surrounding him. I'm sorry, I'm just ending myself. <laughs> so you've anyway. been playing Octodad. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Oh, I wanted so badly to be an octopus, you guys. Um, <laughs> and then... Don't we all? It was just... Mm. It It did not live up to its octo promise. I was octo sad. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, so I well, so I I bought it with my own money while I was streaming it. So I, I was streaming it on Twitch, and um, a surprising number of people, nine I believe, stayed with me for three hours while I played this game. And um, I bought it with my own money because you know I. I octopus there was the word octopus and apparently that makes me lose all sorts of reason so you know if you want me to back your kickstarter make it an octopus Step, i'm i'm <laughs> making a game about octopuses can i have 
in the FAQ, just put it will be better than Octodad. I absolutely <laughs> promise. And then I'll be like, okay. I'm totally going to start a Kickstarter for Tactical Octopus dating sim. Uh, oh, but yeah. So I um, so I was playing that, and then somebody in chat was just like, "She must be reviewing it." I mean, there's no way you'd play through this and get this frustrated and have actually bought that. I was like, "No, no, I I brought this on myself. I actually paid for this. It's fine." So what you are doing in Octodad is you are uh, an octopus who has somehow managed to bag himself a real life human lady not a real life human lady a game human lady um he's somehow managed her and somehow (laughs) fathered two children with her no thankfully it skips over that bit (laughs) well i was expecting maybe a quick time event but never mind um and so you uh have to do like some basic tasks but while you're doing them your limbs are sort of flailing everywhere and you know you sort of you use left mouse button to move your left tentacle forwards and right to move your right one and you know there's a lot of like moving the mouse around to sort of octo lunge in various directions um and it starts off as kind of just like this interesting it's kind of like quoptopus you know like you're playing quop but octopus. anyway um, and, if you're and just going for the, the record number of <laughs> it's fun, it, I, I had a lot of time with that game to, to sort of really reevaluate everything um, so but I was playing it for three hours and essentially the game is maybe two hours long but the extra hour well hour ish was um, I spent 38 minutes trying to climb an escalator and that is not like a, a statement thing that the game was making because there is an achievement somebody pointed out on Twitch for climbing the escalator in 30 seconds so I feel like it should be a lot more possible than it felt at the time and so there's like this like archive video of me just like having a complete breakdown over this escalator just like why won't it work why am I so bad at this game why can't I be an octopus as I want to be an octopus you know that kind of thing and then it kind of devolved into explaining to people that octopuses actually have heart attacks while they're having sex and you know some (laughs) brief detour into you know the contestants of gladiators and um yeah just it, it got a bit weird and then like so i finally this is get... all recorded by the way and we will link to it in the post I fi- well, this is... so i finally get to the top of this escalator and kind of lose it a bit with the celebrations and while i'm celebrating the octopus is actually clipped on the escalator and starts going back down again <laughs> i was like no <laughs> i will not go back there and probably started freaking out that I, w- I would have to repeat that section of the game and for a game to encourage that level of stress and fear at the <laughs> idea that you might have to repeat one section of it <laughs> I don't feel that's a good sign and the thing is like I desperately wanted to like it and I think that they're doing something cool and fun it's just that they couldn't implement it and like so I don't want to be really harsh to them because I kind of don't want them or other people who are considering doing some more interesting things to to feel like you can't without risk of being absolutely pulled apart 
so you know I don't want this to come across as mean it was just badly implemented and the reason I couldn't get up the escalator was just that the, like the limbs kept like getting tangled in each other or kept clipping on the um the wall or you know all that kind of stuff it was just it was you know it was actually really like a nightmare playing that how section it, for sure how did it go so wrong because the mod was really strong wasn't it uh well i didn't play this i just decided i'm going to you know on the strength of it has an octopus mm-hmm. and it looked kind of cool and then i saw the the trailer and stuff and it looked like it could actually be kind of interestingly poignant as well <laughs> what so, really trailers? Yes. you, you watched the trailer where he's flailing around making coffee and thought hmm this is artistic yes. expression yes <laughs> because you know he's a cute cartoon octopus that's having a bit of a hard time and feels <laughs> really stressed out you know those are things that my heart goes out to i can empathize with that can't empathize with like children humans or badgers <laughs> i can empathize with an octopus having a hard time it seemed like from what I, I've seen, heard from Pip and uh, reading Andy Keller's review for PC Gamer, that basically that they had all the good ideas in that original, was it a mod? Um, yeah. In the original version and uh, they, they come up with a really strong pitch, but when they tried to stretch it out, they just like added a load of stuff that uh, arbitrarily hard puzzles and like stealth sections and other stuff to try and stretch it up into a longer game and it didn't really work. All it needs to be for that to work is just to get through the most mundane week as an octopus. That's all it needs to be. Like, make breakfast, go to work, come home, get married. It's perfect. That's all you need to be. I I I would like to just have a series of levels where it was just just like, um, you know, you have to go to the airport and you have to go on one of those, like, you know, the travelator things and yeah. on that just like would look funny. I just want <laughs> yeah. it to look funny, you know. Uh, I don't really mind that he, you know, finds obstacles difficult. I just want him to look silly, whatever he's doing. And that would just a few levels of just him being in a ball pool. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was this moment, like just after the horrible escalator bit, where he gets like he ends up in a tank, like a fish tank, and has to sort of swim away from something but like he splooshes into this thing and then I was suddenly like really excited because I thought oh my god maybe I'll actually get to sort of swim around and do some cool things and there'll be some you know interesting effects or like movement or you know like you'd actually get to sort of explore the environment in a different way because of the I thought maybe the flailing would become more balletic or you know it would be that contrast between land and see but the way that they do that is just you press and hold left mouse button and then press and hold left mouse button to sort of you know propelling himself through the water gracefully thing and it just you don't feel like you've got any sense of you being involved in it or you know there's that sudden disconnect because the the previous thing is like you, you are struggling you're struggling with the controls and stuff and then but this just it it stripped it down to something where you didn't even feel involved because yeah that was interesting to me like I thought the control system and the frustration mm. would actually maybe amount to something there but yeah mm. I think a lot of the reviews have reflected a kind of frustration with it that it didn't offer more than the original pitch basically mm. and um yeah like I read someone's review that's like 
was completely slating it, which I thought sounded actually incredibly harsh. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think it's um, it's a game based on a, an, an idea, and obviously I feel like they probably could have done with someone who was a really good level designer and who had mm. like sort of figured this out beforehand. I don't know. Well, something that was really interesting, oh, or yeah, was um, Ashton wrote about it for uh, the, oh, yeah. uh, the Telegraph. Oh, the Telegraph, um, and was saying that the escalator section had actually made him sort of almost have a panic attack, but it was because he's previously had experience with um, disability and and sort of how that makes ordinary tasks so much more difficult and other people sort of don't necessarily appreciate that and then to sort of have this section of the game that seemed to be doing exactly that like he had a very different experience and emotional reaction to it whereas mine was entirely just this is stressing me out and it's a bad design thing so I guess there's like a chance that you know that that's an experience that other people could have from it but the rest of the game I feel doesn't actually bear that analogy out it just happens that because of his experiences he got more from the game than I did yeah I think the part that really touched me about Ashton's thing was like the bit where he described the panic that he had when he got to the escalator Mm. but then the realization at the bottom or which way do you go on the escalators up or the down? The escalator is coming down and you have to go up. Right. Yeah, and basically he was like, once I got to the top of that, there was mm. another one. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I went around the corner and I was just like, oh, you are kidding me. Whereas yeah. it was just like an actual, oh, this, you know, this actually yeah, bears that, out this analysis. Really, when he was writing about it, I, I imagined him sort of getting to the second escalator and it really kind of like threw me a little bit because I was like, gosh, that would be like the most soul destroying moment. Mm. And so, yeah, no, I really liked what he wrote. I think it really illuminated a lot of things for me. I so, think yeah. that's the thing. Like his piece was really good, but I, I don't think it reflects what the game was actually doing or my own experience of playing it. But it's a really good piece. And I, I yeah. say read it for people who haven't. I damn those writers who are really good because <laughs> they can just sell you something <laughs> just well, by being good at it well, or by being bloody bad at it because I was just sat there this thing had stressed me out I was just like this is just you know 11 quid just to feel really bad for you know for this period of time or really stressed I guess um, and then like so I tweeted about it and linked to the bit of the video where I'd kind of properly lost my temper and then I get a message from Brendan saying uh, Brendan Caldwell saying oh I'm totally going to get that this weekend basically on the strength of me I was like no no that's not what I really uh, that's not it at all I'm so misunderstood <laughs> <laughs> Craig what have you been playing lately um playing more Daisy. Mm-hmm. I can tell you a Daisy story <laughs> Ooh. I don't know if you're going to beat your last one it's never going to beat the last one <laughs> Pip doesn't stream anymore either, so that's like completely denied now. I was on a friend's stream, and I thought you might stream Snipe Us from that, because I ended up dying on a factory floor. I did have Aaron... a moment of, was that Craig? <laughs> Aaron streamed Snipe to you once. No, but like he was actually actively baiting it. So, yeah. <laughs> um, we had a really 
genuinely scary moment yesterday. Um, on we're heading towards uh, the big northwest airfield, which is where a lot of people go because it spawns a lot of weapons and stuff. Mm. Um, so we're getting increasingly paranoid as we were getting towards that. I think we we landed there about half one in the morning, mm. and uh, we started like we'd set up. Well, we stopped and had like a little camp before we went in to basically clear up as much inventory space as we could. So we had this like nice little picnic, and then started storming towards it. And like it was progressing slowly, and it's it's really hard to um, communicate how stressful nothing happening in Daisy can be, mm. because even though like the area is massive and there's only at most forty people on the server, so like the chances of you actually bumping into somebody is quite slim. But if you do, especially in a place like that, it's probably going to be hostile. So mm, it's, it's incredibly tense. Where people gather. Yeah. Um, but we'd navigate it anyway, so we were heading towards this from the back entrance, which was quite good. And so we sort of snuck through this fence and getting towards it, and then like we could just see the big doors. And we were scouting it for ages, like checking whether the doors were open and stuff. And then we got in, and it was empty, and we started looting it. Mm. Uh, and then it was just as we were about to head out um, there, there was three of us there and one of the guys saw somebody running up out of the window it's mm. like fuck somebody's coming like okay um, so it was half panic mode half we need a, a very fast plan right now because um, he looked like he had stuff and he was on his own and people like that just generally will shoot you on site so we had we like ran back up the stairs in the police station and just all pointed our guns down to like down to the main corridor mm. and we just sat and waited and it was like absolutely silent and nobody dared say anything on Skype because we just needed to hear absolutely everything um and like it felt like people say this all the fucking time but it genuinely felt like we were waiting for ages but it must have only been like 30 seconds and then he came round the door already pointing his gun upstairs and we just open fire on him and like, he shot a couple of rounds but they just missed us and then he dropped and then we started looting him um and we we're like fucking around for a while like just figuring stuff out with everybody increasingly getting more annoyed that people were still fiddling with inventories because we we're just going to get shot and then mm -hmm. eventually we ran away and now this sounds like nothing like that's barely a story in a game but like if that was one of the most tense probably five ten minutes in any game that i've ever done and i was fucking shaking as we got out of the airfield it was terrifying mm. so i played a jane austen dating sim recently yeah. <laughs> you half segued into that earlier and then... <laughs> i just thought it would be really funny to come in there but yeah no i feel like this is one of those things where those games where it's just so profound because it's so brutal um like the the actual human nature on display in yeah. daisy oh, okay. is the worst thing about it i don't know because i play it i'm trying to play it differently like i am deliberately not being aggressive or a psycho or anything i'm genuinely just wandering around trying to enjoy being in the, the environment and stuff it's really interesting i really like it it's like the woods where i used to um like go when I was a kid and my dad would like take me up to Kidderminster and there was like a scout scout camp that he used to sort of uh work with and he would like go along and do stuff for them but I would be allowed to sort of run around in the woods nearby and it rim like some Everyone of the areas they need a Blyton novel 
you imagines Pip wandering around Daisy with a sandwich board on that says, yeah. don't shoot me, I haven't got a gun, or something like that, or just a smiley face on it. There's yeah. press jackets in there, actually. <laughs> well, the thing is, so um, I was actually vaguely glad that I died in, um, in the playthrough the other day because I had picked up a rifle, and I felt like owning the rifle made me more of a target like I I didn't like the feeling that people would just assume that I was going to kill them or get aggressive and stuff and maybe that's the wrong way around because like you know it can be useful for sort of scaring people even if you don't have ammo you can just wave this rifle in their face but um I don't know I just I kind of feel a lot better now that I can go back to playing the game like the way that I wanted to, which is just, you know, wandering around going, oh, fruits, oh, a church, you know. I think it's also a sign that I'm not sure Daisy really exposes human nature so much as it manipulates it. I mean, there are very, the way the game is constructed, the ways you have of interacting with each other, um, and the ways in which people always have something that you need, even if it's only their blood. Mm. I mean, it kind of pushes you into this antagonistic way. Although admittedly the bits that Craig does where he just messes with people, that is just him being awful. I think it does a bit of both, as in, you know, like it tries to make it accessible but also, you know, there's drive to do things or go to certain places or explore parts of the map. Um and, you know, interact with other players and things like that. So it's sort of, you know, it is built to sort of gain people a bit, but at the same time like people do things with it that are interesting and, and emergent and not necessarily what was expected and so they sort of evolve in tandem like you know like with most games of that nature I guess so yeah I'm still not a psycho though Craig I'm afraid got time yet sorry <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about this Jane Austen date in Sim Cara. Is it like, is it anything to do with the Jane Austen MMO or is it a very different thing? No, it's a thing you can buy on Amazon that's made in Rempy and it's kind of like Princess Maker-esque and it's all right in terms of mechanics, but it's, um, I think it's just entertaining in every other way, like in ways that you would never even imagine. (laughs) Like, So is um, it a dating sim or is it a courting sim? Um, it's a courting sim, like, basically you're meant, it's called Marriage and Marriageability. Oh, okay. And it's about getting married. Because Jane Austen usually writes about, um, how women are essentially, um, marketed, um, or, like, present themselves in order to be a kind of possession of men. And it's really interesting because, um, I guess... Elizabeth's job is to find love as well as finding someone who's also rich. Um, but yeah, like a lot of it is kind of um, studying like uh, like the virtues of um, the Regency period uh, in order to become a better sort of, uh, uh, I guess, woman to uh, be able to get yourself a nice husband. And um like Is you there can... a, an archness to it, though? Because Jane Austen actually has a, you know, sense of humour and stuff. Or is it just sort of taking all of this as? It doesn't. It doesn't have any archness, which I find personally um, very disappointing. It, mm. it isn't. 
it I imagine to approach making the very first line of Pride and Prejudice is like you know it's got that sort of playful you know yeah I mean it is and it's a game so it is playful Mm. in the sense that you can you date you kind of you can choose your suitor and you can you can try and steal away Mr. Bingley Mm. or you know you can be an arsehole in it as well as being you know role-playing Elizabeth Bennet yeah Um, but it's quite it's quite a lot like they they've basically ported (laughs) ported Jane Austen they've ported her text (laughs) into Mm. the game um so a lot of it is quite dry reading so not I don't I don't feel like any of the text so far that I've seen has actually been very original Mm. um but it's it's on the basis that there are like six qualities or something willfulness propriety um kindness um and all these other um like talents for example you can you can uh, apparently up your talent by reading a lot of books um Mm. and your wit as well you can also do that um by reading a lot of books um but it's kind of it's such an odd game simply because i feel like the mechanics aren't 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 really making so much of a difference on my narrative uh, my narrative experience and which suitors I can choose to speak to. Um, but yeah, I mean, I haven't got far through it so far because it is quite a slog. Like, there's a lot of text in order to get through it. Mm. Um, and it says that it should be replayable, but because of that text being the same over and over again, I'm not sure it will actually be very replayable. So... In any case, um, I called my uh, main character Doombringer in Castle Letters. <laughs> so, I mean, the main joke of the whole thing is that, like, everyone's being really nice to my character, the Doombringer. <laughs> for well, I was Doombringer, you must solely come to our party. <laughs> exactly. And every time someone's like, well, I do say Doombringer. <laughs> like, yeah. I am the bringer of doom. What can I do? <laughs> it's like in um, in Animal Crossing, if you named your character like you twat or something. Um, this was obviously in the versions before they clamped down on that kind of thing. Um, then, you know, characters would wander up to you and say, hello, you twat. <laughs> you like, could also <laughs> tell them like how you wanted to be addressed and things yeah, like that. Yeah, that was it. You'd put in your nickname. It wasn't your name. It was your nickname. And they would just be like, hey, so yeah, that's the, there's always a humour of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you want me to say instead of hello? And it would be fuck you. <laughs> I mean, I just, I just, I really, I, I love, um, I love the idea, and it's never got old. Like not even since you could put in like you know Link's name or whatever and anything. Mm, uh, it's never yeah. got old that like just putting putting in something extraordinarily silly in there. And um, I mean, I honestly, when I play this game, it's kind of like like Doom is in a petticoat, you know. <laughs> Like drifting around Regency ballrooms, just like you know, quietly lo- having a look at all of the people in the room and selecting the person she's going to bring doom upon. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm I'm enjoying that joke very much. It's not got old yet, mm. <laughs> and it never will. It never will. No. Hopefully, I get to write about it. Thing is, like, I've started this. Um, writing about sort of sex and relationship games in RPS and it's meant to be monthly and I've actually been flooded with games 
Um, so many people have emailed the, me these these games that they've made, and they're, almost all of them are excellent or interesting in some way. I, I found this game about masturbation. Did you hear about that news story about a guy who got incredibly high on meth or something and then went into a bar and started jacking off? This is a bar in Oregon. And he started jacking off, and someone tried to, like, the, they called the cops. And one guy, one cop came along and tried to arrest him and couldn't. So he called for backup and 15 cops tried to bring this guy down. And he was jacking off the entire time. <laughs> and you're like, what? And then someone made a game of it. <laughs> and it's basically, you have to, you have to, like, jack off at the same time as, uh, like, punching cops in the face. <laughs> <laughs> the most ridiculous thing. I mean, I feel a bit offended because if you if you die, the answer is to um to take more meth to get your health back. And part of me is just like that's the most disgusting game mechanic. But it's such a ludicrous game. I don't know how I'm supposed to take it. It's like, and the thing that it illuminates to me is the fact that it is very very difficult to uh, jack off and punch people in the face at the same time. Have you got a newfound respect for... Uh, <laughs> uh, for... <laughs> no, for, for Meth Man, Oregon <laughs> Meth Man, that's what I'm calling him. Um, I really do have a lot, of, a lot of respect, but then it made me look up the effects of meth because <laughs> I was like, it cannot be that this man didn't know what he was doing. Um, and And... You know, like it, apparently he he wandered around supermarkets or something, or outside shopping centers in a mall before this happened, and he seemed to me behaving like he was, uh, from the news reports, behaving like he was disorientated. But it can't have given him superhuman strength. You know what I mean? I mean, there must have been more superhero books written about meth if that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I got really interested in looking up um, the effects of meth and like uh, overdoses or um, withdrawal symptoms and this things. Making me very worried about your next embed. <laughs> well, exactly. Embed with meth. Well, I mean, you know what? I read Hunter S. Thompson for the first time, and he takes this thing called ether, which apparently um, is like some sort of uh, it was used as a uh, anesthetic. Yeah. Yeah, and I didn't know about that either. I'm, I'm just like a drugs noob. Anyway. Um, I'm not like some <laughs> <laughs> Oh. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just like uploading like all of these because people are really mean to me. They're like, Cara, like why, why, how have you not read any Hunter S. Thompson? I'm like, I don't know. Just leave me alone. Anyway. Um, so yeah, and I've been looking up all of these things about it, and it 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 basically uh, apparently meth ups your ups your um, libido. Um, it's an aphrodisiac. So maybe he went into that bar and thought that everyone was really sexy. Or some, I don't know, but um, it just seems like such an interesting state of mind to be in, where you think you're just like hitting like. <laughs> men whilst jacking up um so yeah um, anyway uh, i'm annoyed because I've, I've got all of these games to talk about and I, I only have this like once a month column to uh to unleash them upon so 
I don't know. So I you're going to be talking about them in the podcast a lot? <laughs> yeah, I probably have to tell you guys a lot more about like <laughs> masturbations. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. That's that's cool. Fry wank face. Maybe I should. Um... There's a lot of depth there. You should totally send Quai Wang Face to Kara for a column. Yes, send me a review copy and I'll try and put it in uh, my stupid column. That would be amazing. <laughs> Alright, no problem. <laughs> this Game is going to be fun. Shall we answer some of the many, many questions we have? Yes. Yes. I'm just going to do this one which came in just after we finished our last podcast. Um from Laura Kate Dale, who asks, if you had to design a game about guns that discourages the player from firing, what would your game be about? Um, I'll let you guys think about it, because I actually have an answer for this, which is from... It's not actually mine, it's from Matthew Castle, um, the editor of official Nintendo magazine. Uh, we used to work together back on Endgamer, and he used to come up with really strange game pictures, one of which was Infinity Gun which is a game in which you get a gun that is constantly, constantly firing and has massive recoil. And all hmm. the levels take place in, like, china shops or orphanages or other places <laughs> where you don't want to shoot things. That's amazing. <laughs> you're constantly battling to keep your gun pointed at the ceiling or the floor and not accidentally, accidentally shoot the orphans. Wow. That is kind of good. Yeah. I didn't start that. Mm. Send some money to Matthew Castle. <laughs> he should he should totally do it. His other also the other pitch that was really memorable to me was one called War Bastard, uh, where you, um, which is just like a gritty war game, except you don't actually play a soldier. You just play a guy who crawls around and like extra and like steals all the valuables from the dead from the dead soldiers, <laughs> just like prize out their gold teeth. <laughs> it was a strange time. <laughs> That's essentially what I do in most games. Is like, I mean, I might have killed them first, but the real joy is in stealing their things. To be fair, actually, a lot of people do that in in uh, Daisy. They find someone who's accidentally clipped through a ladder and died, and just take all their stuff. Oh yeah, you can. Or you can go to like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, I killed my friend uh, Matt with an axe. It was actually like. So this was a, a humanitarian killing. Um, the first to kill with an axe. It, it was because he'd um, got stuck on the scenery, like he clipped through the floor of a house and was sort of stuck in the basement but couldn't get out and we tried everything to get him out. And so trying to preserve his stuff, I was trying to um, drop his things as he clipped through the side of the house so that I could pick them up and then we could get him respawning somewhere else um but yeah in order to get him respawning somewhere else uh we had to have me take an axe to his head <laughs> so yeah um i think that's fine i think i think morally that's that's all right um it doesn't help with the not shooting thing but actually the way i'm playing daisy is very much it is a game with a lot, well, not a lot of guns, actually. That's kind of the scarcity of guns is kind of one of the mechanics. But um, I haven't wanted to have one on me at all because it makes you a target. And so, I don't know, does that count, do you think? Hmm. It's an interesting idea, the um, idea of a game where having a gun means fights escalate, which hmm. perhaps has some sort of political critique on us gun policy yeah definitely i mean what if you had like a game where it was just full of children and you had a gun 
a game where it's just full of children and you have a gun. Yeah. I mean, you know who exactly what's going to gonna happen like, Why? Oh, why yeah, this reminded me. Um, shoot them. Just no, Has everyone played Don't Shoot the Puppy? No. Uh, it's a little... You know the first thing I'm going to do in that game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm struggling most with the concept of a game about guns where... Because I'd really like to see some like being not being able to shoot the gun that you've got. I find is one of the most one of the bestest mechanics. I think generally, like is why I like Far Cry Two a lot and um, Hitman and stuff. But I don't know if their game's about guns. Well, Far Cry Two is. You get my point. Don't shoot the puppy is a game in which uh, you play as a sniper rifle pointed at a small puppy, and if you move or press anything, it shoots and kills the puppy. And you just have to hold on for as long as possible, and then you probably shoot it. That's a cannon from a battleship. I think so, yeah. But I think the reason... I don't think that incentivizes not shooting the puppy through any of the game mechanics. It just implies through the title (laughs) or through social norms that that's going to make you a monster like it wouldn't actually make me think about it in any meaningful way it would just make me go right okay well that's the thing is that actually you know your the the entire score is how many levels you complete which you do by not shooting the puppy which you do by not touching your mouse at all Mm. except you have to click to press to start it so occasionally you just instantly shoot the puppy by accident (laughs) I think uh, Laura, what Laura was getting at was, I think we discussed the idea that alien isolation uh, might be about not shooting your mm. gun because it just um, exacerbates the problem of there being a giant fucking alien in the room. <laughs> um, and yeah, and it also um, is attracted to noise. So I think mm. that's interesting. The idea that something, something more powerful um, than a person with a gun might exist in the game. Yeah, actually, that's, um, that's an interesting point because I guess that does loop around to Daisy probably being one of the best examples because bullets are scarce, so you don't. If you can bluff someone and get them to surrender with a gun rather than shooting them, you want to do that. And firing attracts zombies, so it's it's a game in which you're desperate to get own a gun, but you don't ever actually want to shoot it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting that the way that um, game mechanics have a really explicit um, impact on what you do with guns, because in Hotline Miami, uh, the play is shaped by the fact that guns also make a huge noise and therefore everyone in the building will be attracted to you if you fire a gun. And so it's actually infinitely better and also weirdly more enjoyable to knife someone instead. Yeah. <laughs> um, gunpoint and... does some interesting stuff with that as well, because you can hold someone at gunpoint, but if, as soon as you fire, there's a countdown until, uh, uh, there's countdown until the cops arrive and they close off the end of a level so you can't ever escape. Yeah. Um, so I think it's really interesting that like you can negotiate... Um, like power structures like that um, and, and put sort of structures in place to make the player uh, behave in a certain way through all of these systems. So, yeah, I think it's um, it's it's more complex than you originally think. Mm. Uh, it isn't just, you know, <laughs> a room of children. <laughs> <you really laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's like 
it's definitely much more of a kind of like you have to really think about what you're going to say through how the, the game actually functions. Mm. I guess. Okay, you've got a big store of questions from last week we didn't answer, haven't you, Pip? Uh, I do. Uh, let me just have a look. So, well, uh, I've got a few glib ones. Or not glib, actually, but, um, you know, like Tim Clark has asked, oh, what is the best of the video game? So I'm just like, <laughs> but we could answer what is the best video game with of the in the title. Uh, like, the Colossus, hmm. if you would like to indulge him. Mm. <laughs> and there are three that are basically our game's art. Which yeah, I feel like that's a beast for another day. <laughs> yeah, they're asking this ironically, but if this many people are going to ask, I will actually answer one day. <laughs> so it's got to have of the in the title. Shadow of a Colossus is the yeah. obvious one, I guess. Um, it's not, it is Dark Souls Game of the Year Edition. <laughs> it's not even called I that. It's prepared to die edition. No, yeah. no, I had to make it up. But there we go. That's true. It's it is the game. It's just game of the year edition. Everyone knows that's better than the regular edition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if if you'd like to ponder on that, and if anything comes to you, then uh, yeah. There's um. On my, I just had a quick look through my Steam library in my yet to play kind of. <laughs> bit uh and sherlock holmes the secret of the silver era is uh, in there so <laughs> more news on that as it breaks um, actually george george buckingham has asked, oh, i know what it is it's mark of the ninja too many video games <laughs> which uh, i thought was an interesting question given that like i often feel completely overwhelmed when it's something like a game jam that's had an awful lot of entrance and you're trying to pick through and see what's what or when you're sort of like trying to prioritize what's in your steam library to actually you know at least tick one thing off before you try and tackle the next 12 the interesting thing is i feel like we're in a strange place with games where because there's been a certain explosion in numbers in the last few years that people do feel like there's too many because it felt like they could play a brief before but at one point it felt like you could play have played a representative sample of games and now you just can't Mm. Um, and people haven't yet got comfortable with the idea of yes, I've just never played any of this. Um, maybe I don't yeah. know. Well, I think well, I think it's good in that you know there's obviously a lot of uh, people doing a lot of different things, and I think that that in itself is healthy um, for the industry. I mean, whether they get taken up or developed is you know a different matter. But I think just having the basic there are an awful lot of things happening you know uh, hopefully there will be at least one or two interesting ideas contained therein um so but at the same time in terms of consumption it can be really difficult because even if you manage to get somebody to pick out your game amongst all of these you know hundreds of thousands of things then you know with the it's the steam library problem of are you even going to get round to playing it who exactly is this a problem for, though? What do you mean? Well, one minute. Well, like, because to, to, for, for the question to be, are there too many? Then mm. that implies that it's problematic, and I'm not sure where the problem is. Who was well, it? Who was just, asking again? Sorry. It was George. George Buckingham. Yeah. Well, as 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 an indie developer, I can definitely see why you would have problems with that. In that, it's well, hard. too many other people are doing what I'm also doing. <laughs> in that, like, it makes your game harder <laughs> to discover. You know. 
I think it's because, well, I would say that the, the problems that I can see in, in there being a lot of games around is that it's harder to get people to play yours in a meaningful way, perhaps, you know, rather than dipping in and then dropping off if it didn't cost much money or never playing it in the first place, you know, things like that. But also, you know, there's with with a lot of games in the system people then need to try a lot of different things to get it noticed and sometimes that's just in terms of you know a, a massive discount you know in sales and things and I so just... that's not great because it you know it encourages people to buy things that they'll never play so it's bad for consumers in that you know you're spending money that you will actually sometimes never get any return on but would you say there are too many books well but well, you asked where I thought the problem might lie. Yeah, but I think I just don't, even with those things, I don't see them as problematic. Like, I think it might be problematic in that it's, you think about the industry, perhaps. But that, if, if you say it's problematic from a developer standpoint, then that's basically them also saying, like, look at all these idiots in this traffic jam. Like, you are part of that. You can't <laughs> say it's a problem and be part of it. Well, yeah, but everyone thinks that because everyone thinks they're good and... Yeah, but it's, it doesn't make, it, doesn't make yeah. it right, though. One, one thing that I've, I find interesting about it is a lot of people talk about this whole worry that about discoverability and a finite amount of like money and, and people buying things in terms of like Steam with their um, with their moving power away from green lights and in terms of Kickstarter and like high profile projects turning up and even in terms of like Patreon with um, you know uh, car success and stuff like that there's this notion that there is a finite amount of money that is drying up but there's also people who don't believe that like kickstarter don't believe that valve don't believe that they believe that if something is really successful and sells well it grows the market for everyone that there is an infinite pool well not an infinite pool of gamers but you know the population of the planet which is close enough um that you'll just get more and more people coming in and then um that uh, yeah, but if if someone's successful, that's all, someone else is successful. It doesn't take a customer away from you, but it brings more potential customers in for everyone. Yeah, but I'm just saying that those are two arguments that you could. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm just wanted to pick out a problem that yeah. people were. You know, the re. You know, there's a reason that people are asking the question, and it is because, or I'm guessing it's because they feel threatened or you know pe yeah. some people do at some point feel that they've wasted money i mean i don't tend to buy books that i don't read mm -hmm. but i have got a shit ton of games that i kind of know that i will never play and stuff like that and mm. i just you know i kind of feel like that's i mean i feel like that's sad you know i i don't want to do the people who made them a disservice as well and that true in terms of books you know as well so if i'd bought a book and never read it i'd you know feel that that was somehow a wasted opportunity mm. Mm. but then i don't think that answers yes for are there too many games you just need to stop buying them that you're not going to play yeah, yeah I know, but it's um it's sparked and it's the kind of discussion that i guess would come from that well, that's yeah i get I, I just don't well, my answer is no. I just wanted to articulate the point of view, really, that um, that 
that Valve Kickstarter idea, and they they've got they've got some compelling evidence to support it. Like there was something uh, a while back where Kickstarter basically explained that every time they have a really big high-profile project from you know when some uh, stuff like the Veronica Mars movie or whatever, and everyone's like, and, and a lot of people are worried that this is big Hollywood people coming in and taking their money. The result is that more people use Kickstarter and more money gets invested into everything proportionally. Yeah, this is it. I mean, loads of um, emails from the Patreon staff saying to me, um, like just sending like a, a mail saying thank you because it's grown the amount of people that have signed up uh, to Patreon, like just to subscribe. So that means that they will all probably also browse the re- other projects and then they'll invest in those projects as well. Yeah, like so the first thing I did after I signed up and placed some money to Karas Patreon is to put someone someone else's as well. Yeah, and so I think that's definitely a, a, a valid thing. And I mean, it, when when it first like became like a you know a big controversy that like you know I'd gone on Patreon and, and put up a project, um, there are a lot there's lots of talk about like you know she you know she doesn't deserve it. She's already got a platform, sort of stuff. But I don't believe that because I, I I honestly think that um, it's it's basically made it easier for me to recommend other people to, mm-hmm. to actually subscribe to. I mean, I don't know. I I probably am not the best person to talk about it, to be honest, because I'm sort of in the middle of this big argument and I don't really know what's going on. So, but yeah, like it's it's been a strange reaction, I think, at least. Mm-hmm. I mean, and as well, people are people are always saying, oh, you know, what she wrote was terrible, awful stuff. And I'm like, well, you're not paying for it, are you? So, you know, it's free to read, but you have to read it. So it's really weird. Mm. I don't know, yeah. I, for what my penny's worth is worth. That was a really shitty phrase. <laughs> introduction to this. Um, Sorry, and- let's try it again and I'll just edit out that one. You won't though. You'll leave this in to stitch me up. Yeah, you um, yeah, exactly. You won't. You won't pick through a fucking podcast just to find this. Um, no, I was just gonna say that, like I, like I said before, I think that just having more stuff means that there will inevitably be, you know, more interesting ideas, and I do believe that, even though you know there is a chance that there won't be. They might just be all the same. Um, and so I think that it's a good thing, and so you know, not too many, but I do understand that there will be associated concerns and associated, you know, like rejigglings of the industry and stuff especially you know maybe in terms of just getting people to think more about where they're putting their money mm-hmm. and what they're buying and and you know just hopefully getting more enjoyment out of out of what they spend their money on yeah what's the next question oh yeah no that's another thing that needs to happen um <laughs> uh da, 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 da. oh ben has asked what's the smallest thing in a game that has never less nevertheless annoyed you beyond all reason uh hmm. smallest thing ben's use of language it's <laughs> <laughs> not in a game it's real life twitter's a game the documentary <laughs> told me that <laughs> I don't know, that escalator in Octodad. That is so <laughs> That's true. Um, Navi. Navi in uh, Zelda. Listen! Shut up, you twat. <laughs> I actually kind of a little bit want my own real-life Navi. 
because no. to be honest, I, I am often unaware of what's going on around me. <laughs> And I'm, I've forgotten an appointment I was supposed to be at. Um, I, don't, I can't remember my deadline. Um, oh, I just need someone to shake me and go, listen, you bastard. We have to go here right now. I was saying that I would like RuPaul to follow me around and just like every now and again, just say, don't fuck it up. You know? Because <laughs> that's, you know, that's her thing in, um, in Drag Race. That's a, a you know repeated uh, catchphrase motto, and I'm like, no, actually, that's a brilliant like life statement. Just don't fuck it up, you know. <laughs> and I just need someone to remind that's, me of it every now and again. Maybe I'll set up a Google though, alert. It's not useful to me. <laughs> <laughs> don't fuck it up is not a useful phrase. <laughs> well, I suppose you know maybe you need a bit more detail in each scenario, but I just you know I, I quite like every now and again my mind just drifts back to it when I'm stressing out about something, and it's like. Mm, okay <laughs> i'm gonna do my best to do that <laughs> i've oh i've got a new answer for, well like this only come to my attention today um Ooh. in counter-strike go the video game when you crouch the crosshair yeah. narrows implying that you have a tighter grouping for sh- shots not yeah. true you have the same spread as if you were standing up that is I bullshit was, i was talking to someone about that this afternoon and it's just like that's the thing it visually implies that you will somehow get some kind of benefit that your shooting will be more accurate that you will actually you know there is a benefit to crouching and then it's just like actually no that's just a an interface lie and um you're just crouching and making yourself more of a target and a better headshot yeah so yeah that's that's really bullshit so, yeah. so I spent this afternoon's game just trying desperately not to crouch anywhere. Mm-hmm. I want to refund on my stack track Berettas now. Well, we could talk about how people voted Gordon Freeman as best video game character and what they were thinking, which is Ben Powell's question. And also, Geoff Hopkins wants to know why hasn't anyone turned Jet Set Willy into a movie yet? <laughs> Bond, it's probably only a matter of time. Mm. Well, I've never actually played Jet Set Willy or seen Jet Set Willy, but I can imagine what kind of a game it is. <laughs> Soon to be appearing in S.exe. <laughs> Maybe I should actually do it as a joke. Maybe on April Fool's, that's what I'll do. Let's just put up one of those, and it's Jet Set Willy. <laughs> The Gordon Freeman thing is does it does annoy me because he's not a character. He's a floating gun. He's literally a floating gun. It's just this weird thing about how you get these video game character polls, and obviously they're just internet polls on crappy websites. It's not a big deal, but that people just appear to vote for who looks best on box art. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It annoys me that the, all the famous video game characters are actually shit characters. They're just nice designs. Should we do a mini vote on who is best character? Best character in video games. Is it me? (laughs) You are quite a character. (laughs) (laughs) I think best villain in video games is Craig. Yeah, Yeah, I'd go for that. (laughs) I'm I'm (laughs) honoured. Do you want to do your acceptance speech? (laughs) No. I want to start for acceptance bombs. <laughs> God. <laughs> God. Your uh, stat tracking barettas like <laughs> They are best character in video games. 
<laughs> I think uh, my favourite is probably Max Payne, actually. Uh, I've, as I've said before, I'm a huge fan of Garrus. Oh my god, I love Garrus. <laughs> Mm, but he's like yeah. the, he's like the, the symbol of my failures. <laughs> <laughs> I love Morden actually. Uh, Morden is great. He's just yeah. He's a cheeky chappy. He's wonderful, I think. Um, no, he's a cheeky chappy. He <laughs> <I> said. <laughs> oh, Mass Effect so boring. Jeez. Jeez. Is really boring. <laughs> Craig. Craig, it's the best game of all time. <laughs> uh, I quit. <laughs> uh, actually following up from that, Jim Hooks to ask what is the best love story in a game I uh, don't know he's gone home Talion Garrus DMC's Dante and himself <laughs> uh, my uh, it's the love story between uh, my Counter Strike Go character and his candy apple shotgun god that's ongoing and slightly disturbing <laughs> I don't know I I spent an inordinate amount of time pursuing inappropriate characters in video games. I mean, Garrus is one of them. I think I've still got a Google alert for Garrus sex or something. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's a thing that's happened. And also, like, there was the whole town crier business, which... Um, oh, God, yeah, yeah. I have written about for, um, for OXM. <laughs> I didn't know that. Is that on the website or is it just on the magazine? Uh, for the magazine, it's in the now playing bit, I think. Oh. It's either this month or next month. But yeah, so... Oh, I have something there as well. Because I went back to it and I was like, wait, there's a plot? <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, this is new. Um, I don't know, really. Um, uh, yeah. Um, Mass Effect was a little strange for me because I decided that I would answer it. I don't really play a role in that. I don't play a particular shepherd. I just try and like answer moral dilemmas and or any dialogue questions as I would normally. Mm. And that resulted in me sleeping with the scary shaven-headed convict lady. Jack. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I wouldn't necessarily call the greatest romance of all time, but I liked it. Um, At which point did you sleep with her? Because there are two different points good... where you can. But... <laughs> yeah, not the point where she uh, hates you afterwards. Oh, um, uh, okay. Where she cries during. <laughs> Much better, surely. Given that you've just said that you play these games as you would in your <laughs> I life. I that was coming. <laughs> I've just checked my Google alerts and there's bug sex in brackets, <laughs> Garrus. <laughs> I don't even remember setting that up. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty good uh, Google alert, though. <laughs> well, I've got that and then I've got Adam Smith NSFW uh, <laughs> Game Jam, Angela Lansbury and Liza Minnelli I've always wondered if the Adam Smith thing is for Brock Pepper Shotguns, Adam Smith or The Economist It was for both at the same time because um, I was looking for uh, Economist slash fic, don't ask why <laughs> and then I suddenly no, anyway, I'm gonna no, I'm just gonna stop, I'm gonna stop right now this is you find it? No, <laughs> I, no, this conversation is done. <laughs> no, well, I clearly couldn't find any Adam Smith stuff. So, I, yeah, there's um, an interesting-ish. Or, like, at the end of Deadly Premonition, uh, <laughs> like, it's, it, it's interestingly emotional, or at least I found it so. Um, I don't really want to like give it away if people haven't seen it. Um, 
but like just the ending i think the whole ending is quite emotionally charged um if you've been engaging with the story and not getting frustrated with it um and so like the fact that there is also a resolution to um a romantic storyline as well like i think that sort of ties into it so i'm not entirely sure how much of it is to do with the romantic plot line itself and how much is just sort of the fact that the whole thing has this emotional uh umbrella hovering over it that was probably a weird analogy anyway um but yeah so there are i think there are a few games like that where like the the emotional sort of romantic side of things has just benefited from the fact that the game has been well written in general like i'm i'm genuinely struggling to think of games where the romance has been good outside of my own projection onto it or where I haven't been like deliberately messing with it or building a character in that way do you know what I mean like where it hasn't come from the game rather than from me actually one of the more interesting ones I found was um, Dragon Age 2 with Aveline which is a is a a lost but not involving the character isn't she as opposed to everyone else in the game she is explicitly not interested in the main character uh and uh, and is interested in someone else and has her own story, which you know she drives as opposed to you. Mm. Uh, and you can keep flirting with her the whole time, and she chews you out for being a bit of a shit for continuing to pressure advances, even when it's obvious she's not interested. And I found that really interesting take on game romances. Mm. So we don't really have a very good answer, I'm afraid, Jim. No, but we've talked for a long time and that's basically the same. Yeah, the answer is crying and wanking in Crave's game. Mm. <laughs> Hang on, what was the question? <laughs> What's the best love story in a game? Has there actually, Cara, has there been much crossover in terms of love and sex in the games that you've been playing? Um, no. Uh, <laughs> and in my life. No, I, uh, I think... It depends. Like, uh, there's definitely a little bit of uh <laughs> i can't believe you're gonna say this. there's a bit of love in christine loves games <laughs> <laughs> oh of course i forgot um, about that christine love uh usually puts some like genuine good feeling in uh, a lot of her games um and also it can be very sexy as well um i think analog hate story definitely has love stories in it um i felt like digital love story was quite a good sort of long sort of I don't know it was a kind of meditation on several things including love and the nature of love which I thought was interesting um did you know there's a gay dating sim coming out um and it's called um coming out on top and (laughs) it mixes um love and attraction with um you know sexy explicit sexy times um so that's coming out soon. Um, there, there are a few that, that just address sex and then just address romance, though. Um, and sometimes they do cross over. But there are so few um, games about this sort of stuff that it's difficult to, mm. to really uh, to say. Um, I guess you could say the braid is a love story. <laughs> Although probably only quite one-sided. Um, but yeah, I don't know. In the end, I don't know. That's the answer. <laughs> All right. Um, we have oh, got... Alistair from Dragon Age. I was totally in love with him. 
we've got quite a few more questions, but I don't know if we've got time for them. We might have to store them up for next week. Yeah, let's save them. Why don't we do a uh, answer into it a question special and burn through them next time? Mm. We could do if you forward them round uh, in advance of it as well. We can like do some proper in depth kind of answers. Also, <laughs> sounds dangerously organised. Wow. <laughs> sure. Um, and Craig can continue to try and pretend that the Gaming Daily account is not speaking for him. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you mean. Because <laughs> it's right now it's asking why Pip always gets killed in Counter-Strike. Oh, <laughs> I see. I did some killing today. Thanks. <laughs> Shot some dudes in the face. I, I suppose I should answer this last one because it is relevant. Um I don't think anyone will be able to answer it. Who are you supporting at the Super Bowl? Asked Chris Evans. Because that is actually tonight. So I have no idea. Uh, I don't even know who's playing. It's uh, Seahawks and the Broncos, I believe. Uh, I don't really follow American football either. Pick the Seahawks because you know that sounds fun. Yeah, um, but I just I wanted to mention because it was quite nice today realizing that. Um, Everyone I talked to on Twitter seems to have kind of got over that uh, sports thing that gamers often do. Kind of accept there was some I know there was some really interesting writing about it today, like uh, Tim Rogers' thing on reviewing football as a game on Kotaku. Mm. It's really interesting. Uh, and the Super Bowl um, version of Breaking Madden, which is absolutely hilarious, which is entirely <laughs> like one team full of seven foot tall, four hundred pound supermen versus one team of five foot tall. At 100 pound midgets one of which is because he 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 sets he set it up by like doing this like charity donation thing and anyone who donated charity and he would put you in the game if you donated to charity and sent him a receipt one of the people who did was his mum <laughs> and ended up being the quarterback for the shitty team <laughs> so it's just this amazing gift of like this player with number one mom on the back just being oh. mown down by this giant seven foot tall superman <laughs> anyway um, yeah, the Super Bowl will be done by now, so we supported whoever won. Yeah. Do two takes, one for we support horses and one for we support Oh, you're going to support Falcons. horses, whatever happens. <laughs> no, you are. That's yeah. your thing. Yes. Oh, so I'll probably be editing this while the Super, while the super Bowl is on. <laughs> You'll only have a problem if it's horses versus Justin Bieber. You won't know which side to support. Oh. I can't process that even as a concept, Pip. Mm. <laughs> You're still annoyed about him crashing that car, not crashing. Oh, let's end the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. Bye. <laughs>